Hello, and welcome to the Thinking Elixir podcast, where we cover the news of the community and learn from each other. My name is Mark Erickson. I'm Cade Ward. And I'm David Bernheisel. Let's jump into the news. First up, there is a new machine learning roundup post on the Dashbit blog. So Jose was talking about this and saying, hey, there's been enough going on. It's time to talk about this again. The article is titled Elixir and Machine Learning Q3 2023 Roundup. So this goes through some of the advances in the official libraries like NX, Axon, and Bumblebee. But then it goes on to cover more about the wider community, including articles, presentations, and libraries. So he talks about some of the cool things that were at ElixirConf, those presentations, there were different blogs. And he even talked about my Elixir Langchain library. So that made a little appearance there, which I thought was fun. What's neat is there is a lot going on in the whole machine learning space. And uh, I just thought it was cool that he was able to pull a lot of that together. So if the machine learning space is something you care about or want to be able to share with a friend who is interested in that space, you know, here's a good resource for pointing to a lot of exciting stuff. Let me point out a couple of them because there are a lot and it's easy to forget some of them. All right. So like there's NX serving, which is uh, making it really easy to do distributed GPU stuff. All right, cool. There's more in there. Explorer now has the ability to access CSV, newline delimited JSON, and Parquet files from any URL, S3 included. Like, that's pretty awesome. And that also includes an integration with ADBC, which is the Apache Arrow columnar format. That's awesome. You got Bumblebee in there, which works with like Llama 2, which we'll talk about in a second. That's in there. So that's pretty cool. Scholar, which is pretty cool in that it's got a couple new models, affinity propagation, T, S, and E, model selection techniques, DB scan, but more stuff. Rain, Mockingjay, EXG Boost, you got Toucan, which is in Livebook, on top of Vega Lite, and then, of course, Langchain for Elixir. Anyway, it was a lot. So instead of just going to the article, I just wanted to overwhelm you, like, currently... <laughs> how much was actually going on. So very good article. If you want more details, definitely go to it. All right, next up. So there's some cool XDocs tips shared by John Dengus, and we got a link to it. But the, the tip is that out of the box, Elixir supports downloading all of the docs for dependencies in your mix project via a singular bash command or terminal command, wherever you are, and allows you to browse them offline. So that's pretty neat. If you're about to go on a plane, you can do this. But if you're about to go on a plane, why are you developing? Don't. Why do people do this? I don't know. Why they why do they do this themselves? Anyway, Gary Rennie also shared the command to do that. It's just mix hex.docs fetch, and that'll fetch the libraries in your project. And you can also just like arbitrarily select which package and which version that you want to download. And there's also a handy command to open up the specific package and version. So it's, yeah, it is definitely great for travel. And another little quick tip, this is off the cuff here too. If you didn't know this, when you're in XDocs, just press G and that will go to any other Elixir package, Hexdocs package out there. So go G and then you start typing in Ecto. And you'll see all of the Ecto packages pop up there. So it's a nice way to browse the docs too without leaving the keyboard as much. And then slash will will put you into the search box too. Keyboard-driven navigation, always a win for your wrists. Next up, Armand Velasco shared a short video demonstrating one of the cool new features we've talked about in LiveView 020, which is the debugging with the Heeks annotations. So if you want to try this out, 
you add a little config to your dev exx file, you set those debug heeks annotations to true, and then when you open up your code, you can actually see little code comments showing you where this code came from. I actually used this recently, and I thought it was pretty handy to find out which component was responsible for that line of code. But something that I really want to know is how Chris was clicking on the browser and opening his code to that line. You couldn't get that to work with NeoVim? <laughs> I pushed every hotkey. I did command click, alt click, shift click, control click, cap locks click, tab click. <laughs> I was wondering, is there some special browser plugin that's needed to make that link over? I don't know. I wonder if there's like a schema or no, a, a file a system association or something like mm. maybe the browser detects file paths. And then if there is a program associated with just opening files or something, it'll work. I was wondering if it's a Mac only thing too. When, when he was going over that in the conference talk, I was like, I don't know. How does that work? <laughs> yeah, because the, the file path starts at lib. Oh. So it's a relative path, yeah. It's not like your full home directory. It's just like lib slash your app name. And so it's like you got you, it would have to know. You'd have to know a lot to be able to, to click on that. But yeah, it was cool when I saw this little video. It was like, oh, yes, that's something I wanted to do. So I tried it out and, you know, adding this little config to my dev exs file and nothing happened and then i remembered oh yeah i haven't upgraded this project to phoenix live view 0.20 yet so i did that and then it worked magically so you know when you do the inspect you see the little comments there saying the the file lines and where your component is so yes very cool stuff and next up so way back like if we had like some sound effects for going back in time you know this would be like in the way back machine Corio Daniel wrote a neat blog post back in 2018 about going from serverless to Elixir. So I'm just going to give a little bit of a recap because it's a really good article, right? It's, it's good, but then there's something more relevant that comes up for why we're bringing this up again. So I'll get to that in a minute. So the post outlines how their system was architected and used AWS's API gateway and Lambda to help process a lot of events. There are more pieces to their pipeline, but this is really what he was focusing on and where he's focusing about AWS's costs. And so currently, at the time of his writing, they were processing about 12 million events per hour. So doing the math, if they had stayed using the API gateway and Lambda, just those pieces of their pipeline would have been costing them over $30,000 per month. He then goes through this process of different attempts he made at replacing it, why he didn't choose Go or other options, why he chose Elixir. And then he says, okay, well, this is what I ended up with, the architecture for doing it with Elixir, which was actually quite simple. And the bill for handling that same level of load and just talking about those two pieces of their pipeline were $397 per month on the high end with an average of $174 per month for normal. That is a massive difference of $30,000 per month to like $400 per month on the high end. Worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then so what happened was, is this resurfaced because this article got picked up by Prime Reacts, right? So if you don't know who Primogen is, he is like a Twitch and YouTube personality. For some reason, our world has now created this whole idea that people are going to tune in live to watch people react to something. That's a large audience, right? And so he was reacting, reading through this entire article and reacting to it as he went. And what was really interesting is he loved the article and he just loved the humor of it. He loved the cost breakdowns and everything. What I thought was cool about this is that Primogen has a really large subscriber base and 
this is just something that raises awareness of Elixir and its benefits to a wider audience. So I thought it was really cool that Corey did a great job on an article and it's still getting a lot of play and a lot of value out of it today as people are reacting and kind of discovering Elixir even a little bit late. Fly.io. It's a great place to run Elixir apps with many global regions, a private network that makes it easy to cluster your app and a powerful CLI. It's something you should really try out. Experience it for yourself at fly.io. All right, coming up next, we got Chris McCord showing off a working Llama 2 example, which is not really new. But the new part is that it was running on a GPU in Elixir, Bumblebee, and Phoenix in Live View. So he's got a little, little screenshot of generating some text, which is pretty nice. The nifty part here is that it was running on a GPU. Is it an NVIDIA A100, 80 gigs, something or another? You know, massive one, nice one. But the cool part about it is that it was running from a single file just like 200-ish lines total. Just the whole thing. The UI in there too, right? The Phoenix app, the everything, about 200 lines of code. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, that was it. Live view, you know, in there. JSON parsing, in there. Template, in there. Layout, in there. <laughs> Validating a prompt, generating the prompt. All, all that's in there asynchronous batching of these things and like streaming that to the front end in there the router also in there the nx exla configuration also in there (laughs) there's just all that in 200 lines which is pretty incredible if you think about it but also pretty nifty that they got it running on all that so simply on a gpu that's the cool that's the wow factor right there yeah and i just want to call out why llama 2 is significant so Llama 1 was, you know, it's from Meta, from, you know, Facebook kind of labs. And the Llama 1, some of the the weights were leaked, apparently. And so you couldn't use it for commercial purposes legally. So Llama 2, they came out and said, hey, we're actually making it so there's business use case is valid. And there's just a couple caveats. So you'd want to look at their license before you make any like decisions for yourself. It's pretty broad, right? You could use this. That's why Llama 2 becomes very interesting because a lot of people would complain about OpenAI or BARD or something like that saying, I don't want to give my private corporate data to this external entity because are they going to be training their models on my data? And is that, am I going to lose some access to what I consider, you know, IP? So there's a lot of reasons people say, I don't want to integrate AI into my app. But then with Llama 2, if I can self-host it, where I'm not sending that data anywhere else. And so in this case, Chris was showing how he was running it on a Fly server with the new GPUs that are soon to be released sometime. But he was trying that out and doing that experiment on a Fly GPU. It's like you self-host that. You don't have that whole concern about loss of control. So that's what I think is really interesting about Llama 2 and why Elixir is particularly well-placed because we can run that model as opposed to just calling out to another service where they're hosting it for us or something like that. So anyway, that's why I think this is so significant. Well, if you're interested in watching ElixirCom videos, this is just a reminder that those are still coming out. And at the time of this recording, 10 hours ago, a new one was just dropped. So keep an eye on that playlist. We'll drop a link in the show notes. And last up, just a reminder that CodeBeam America 2024 is now accepting proposals for talks. So the call for talks deadline is midnight 
Pacific time on 29th of October. So you'll have to the end of October to try and get that submitted, you know. And if you're interested in giving a talk there, so this would be the time to do that. So the conference will actually be held in March 7th and 8th with trainings on March 6th. It's located at the Marines Memorial Club and Hotel in San Francisco, California. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. We hope you'll join us next time on Thinking Elixir.